You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at nowhearthisindy.com. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking to Barbara Moore, who is the president of the Assistance League of Indianapolis. Thank you so much for joining me. And why don't we start with what is the Assistance League of Indianapolis? Well, thanks, Chris, for inviting me to share the exciting work of Assistance League of Indianapolis. We are transforming lives of children and adults through our community programs. Our organization is a 501c3 nonprofit, non-political, non-sectarian, and we are one chapter of National Assistance League. There are 119 other chapters across our nation. We have no paid staff, and as of June 2020, 224 women and one man are members. We are recruiting men. And our members participate in the administration tasks of the chapter, staff our philanthropic programs, and manage our fundraising activities and events. And we invite prospective members throughout the year to attend informational copies where they may meet the officers and hear the overview of our organization. Our vision is to meet essential needs in our community and help families flourish. You know, it's interesting to me that you don't have paid staff because you're the first organization that we've talked to that is, and you know, a lot of all nonprofits rely on volunteer activity. Um, But this is kind of unique. Uh, And the, the, gender difference between 224 women and one man is is kind of striking. Um, can you talk about how that works? I mean, because a lot of times you need paid staff to, to motivate people to get involved, but, you know, how do you keep things organized in a, in a volunteer organization? Well, a lot of our members are former teachers, so they are organizers. Mm. They have lesson plans. Uh, and I think that's why we have just one man, because... Um, it's a little intimidating if you're the only man with all of these women who are great planners, but they all have special skills. They come not, they're not all teachers. You know, we have accountants, women from all different kinds of backgrounds. Um, But 83 cents of every dollar that we raise goes to our programs, which is very high when you look at other um, non-for-profits. Um, The other thing, when we look at membership, we have four major philanthropic programs. The largest, which a lot of viewers can relate to in the Indianapolis area, is Operation School Bell. Uh, We provide new required clothing items to IPS and four other districts um, for a total of over 65,000 children who have been clothed since 1984-85 when Operation School Bell began. And Operation School Bell is a required program by national organization. 
how we run it, what we do is up to our chapter. Um, we provide new clothing, as I said, books and hygiene items. Uh, another division of Operation School Bell is shoes. So since its founding in 2000, we've provided over 70, or I'm sorry, 52,000 pairs of new shoes to children. And all of this is um, uh, identified by school social workers in IPS, Warren Township, Lawrence Township, Washington Township, and Pike. Wayne Township also receives some of those shoes. So um, there are just a lot of people involved in making this, this a success. In the past, until COVID-19, we were located um, in one of two locations. Originally, we were in the old Coca-Cola building down on Mass Ave for a long time, funded by IPS, um, transporting the $250,000 worth of inventory that we buy for the new clothing for the children. And then we later moved to Forest Manor Professional Development Center that was sold in May of this year. So we are currently doing what, and those children were bused every day from the mid-August until the beginning of November by the school districts. They shopped one-on-one uh, -on -one with one of our volunteers that provided and chose, the, ch the child chose 13 different items that went into a duffel bag. Mm. Now with COVID-19, we can't meet with those children. Um, so we are utilizing what we call a pick and pack method where litter forms and disposable tape measures were sent to the social workers to give to the parents who measured their child. And we're now in the process through almost Christmas, providing those items to the school systems who are presently picking up those duffel bags for the children in their district and distributing them to those children. So let me ask about that, because um, I was in local talk radio uh, when the argument or, or debate, I guess it should be called, over school uniforms was being discussed 10, 15 years ago. Um, and, and one of the arguments for it was that lower income families would have a, an easier time paying for items. It would make it uh, more standardized. It would, it would help those families. Um, I don't know if you have the frame of reference before and after, but what, what's your opinion on that? Do you see that, that the standardization of school uniforms is helpful? And, you know, can you kind of talk about the situation that leads a family who are your typical clients or beneficiaries um, in this program? Uh, those families are identified by the school personnel, usually the school uh, social worker, and they are individuals, families that meet financial requirements at or below the poverty level. So we don't pick and choose those families. The schools do that, and we rely on them uh, to do that. Um, we did a major study back, uh, I want to say in 2010-11, to validate what we're doing uh, to grantors that we rely heavily upon, besides our members for money and donors, through various fundraisers that we have. And what we, we did find is a uniform uh, apparel 
reduces bullying. It gives confidence to the child that the child looks just like his other peers. Um, and uh, helps that self-esteem of a child. Now, those are uh, qualitative things, not quantitative. Um, but we have we we've heard from social workers, parents, the students writing letters, how much better they feel about themselves. So we still have a couple of, of townships, Washington Township and Lawrence Township, um, that do not require uniforms. And therefore, one of the expansions of our uh, uh, apparel had to do with providing blue jeans, because mm -hmm. we certainly don't want to give um, apparel that a child doesn't want to wear unless he's going to church. I mean, they are, you know, uh, khaki and uh, navy blue pants. Um, there's an assortment of colors of uh, collared polo shirts and so forth. But we want them to be able to utilize that and feel comfortable at school. And what's also interesting in this pandemic is as we distribute this pick and pack method, parents have said, you know, even if my kid is going to school virtually, I want him getting up and putting on the uniform, the uniform and having an established time to sit down and do the virtual learning so that eventually our goal is to move from the virtual to the in school and there will be less of a problem um, for the parent or the child making that acclimatization. That, that's really interesting. Um... Give us a sense of the size and scope of this program. How many students are you serving in, and what are the needs for things like shoes as well? Well, uh, our goal has always been 3,375 students that we service in apparel. This year we are serving 2,700 students with new shoes and we partner with Shoe Carnival. The parents are doing tracings of their child's foot um, and those come back to the social workers that come back to our leadership team. They're cut out and then they're sent to Shoe Carnival and they pulled shoes this year for us. And they are actually delivering them from Shoe Carnival to the school system where then the school people will distribute those shoes, of course, with the child's name on it and so forth. And um, we worked really hard at those forms. We have such talented graphic artists and so forth. And I'm really happy. I'm excited to report that we've had very few um, sizes that have not worked either with apparel or with shoes. That's great. So, you know, I don't think people realized how much of a, how many wraparound services go into schools and how much of a, of a hub it is for caring for uh, students of all income levels, but especially those in lower income brackets. And the pandemic really highlighted how how much so that is. And can you give us an idea of what impact the the pandemic has had on those families and how it's complicated your work and, and the work of those wraparound services? Well, I think the biggest impact has been what is a, a, a hard working individual, a family member, trying to make ends meet, uh, care for children who are at home. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine that. I have grandkids myself and, you know, that my son uh, and daughter-in-law have been dealing with that for a while. 
I also am very concerned about the technology aspect of those kids receiving services virtually because so many of those families, when you're talking about underserved families, do not have those connections. And I can't imagine what a headache it's been for all of our school systems trying to deal with that. And they're still trying to, I think, to figure that out. Um, so far with our services, we've, we've served Warren First and Lawrence Township. We're now doing Washington Township. IPS is still on the back burner. You know, they're, they're dealing with new charter schools and trying to serve those, those underserved families and uh, Pike Township. I don't think we're going to get to until January. So um, it, it's, it's been a challenge for everyone, but we believe that you know through challenges we become a better organization. Um, uh, the other program I want to just talk about with Operation School Bell is something that's called Beyond the Bell, and it began in 2014 as a permanent um, program. And these are uh, bags of new clothing that go to the social workers to distribute to children who um, are homeless who maybe have had a fire, who have um, moved into the district. And uh, in, in before COVID, it was like, you have to have this uniform or you're not coming to school. So our goal is to have the children in school and learning. That's, that's one of our, our goals because we realize that children make that bond with their teacher, feel secure and so forth. So when you talk about other challenges, in the community, it's like those children have been ripped from people, from teachers that they love and the people that look after them and they're in their own home in whatever situation it is. Yeah, and we've we've seen in some of the uglier sides, those mandatory reporters being removed have, have hurt in other areas too. So, uh, and just a quick question, forgive me, I should know this, but are all the local school systems 100% back or are they still doing some hybrid or are they online or... Where are the school systems right now in terms of, of in-person meeting? Well, I think Warren will tell you, as well as Lawrence, um, that they are, they the parents have a choice, but most of them are going to school. Mm -hmm. Most of the children are in school. Washington, I think, is, is hybrid. Um, I can't speak about Pike because I haven't talked to our, our chairman of Operation School Bell. And I think IPS is um, also a hybrid model at this point. Yeah, I think my niece has the choice uh, at, at IPS. We are talking to Barbara Moore, who is the president of the Assistance League of Indianapolis. Their website is alindy.org. Be sure to check them out, check out all of their programs, donate. Uh, so you mentioned three other programs that the Assistance League uh, operates. What are, what are, uh, what's the next one? Next one is called Survive, um, Assault Survivor Kits, excuse me. And these are kits that our volunteers uh, assemble and distribute to hospitals, shelters, and treatment centers for those individuals who are assaulted, raped, or experience domestic violence. And these kits are in Ziploc bags. They are a sweatshirt, sweatpants, underwear, and socks. So that when that individual's um, apparel is taken for forensic evidence, 
they don't leave the facility in a hospital gown. So what's been interesting is tracking um, for our grantors, counties in which we, um, we operate, because it's just not central Indiana. We go as far as Muncie to Terre Haute uh, and looking at the demographics of those individuals, how many assaults and those kind of things. And of course, you might expect at this time with the stress that we've been under, those numbers are higher. Um, another program we have is called Alley Bears, Assistance League of Indianapolis Bears. And these are um, child safe teddy bears to bring comfort to children and adults who are ill or traumatized or grieving. And those are distributed to the employees at the hospitals, hospices, and so forth. Um, and, you know, one thing I'll, I'll just share is I was down at Riley Hospital and um, you have children who, um, who might have been molested by by family members or whomever, and they give them a physical exam. And we were delivering those bears that day. And um, she said, well, after the exam, we give them the bear. And I go, well, why wouldn't you give them the bear before the exam? Because if I was a little six-year-old or five-year-old and you're doing that kind of exam, I'd want to hold something really tight and love it. So that gives you some perspective there. And um, our last program is called Alley Friends because we not only serve children, but also adults. And this is a really exciting um, program because we go into Joy's house or before the pandemic, we went into a day adult um, out Joy's house, as well as a permanent facility at North Capital Rehabilitation Center. And we uh, bring in birthday parties, bingo, um, write cards, give blankets, just trying to give those senior residents and disabled individuals love and, and respect um, that they deserve as, as people. So we're hoping we, uh, at North Capital, since those are permanent um, residents, we've been writing notes and taking sugar-free things down, but we haven't been able to um, actually be in the facility again until after this hopefully is all over. Yeah, we've uh, we spoke to Joy's House, great organization. Go back and listen to our interview at uh, nowhearthisindy.com. And uh, they do amazing work and you know what what strikes me about these these four programs is it seems like a small thing um, to to uh, like in the case of the survivors kit to provide clothing or a, a stuffed animal in an exam like that. But can you talk about the impact on what seems like a small item in a moment where there isn't much dignity and it helps provide some of that? I mean, what, what impact do these items have on the people that you're serving? I think you said it well. It provides them dignity. They've gone through something traumatic or a great loss, and it's something that they can leave feeling not so violated. Um, and of course, we have no contact with those victims. We only have the reports that um, the hospital nurse will report on, on the forms that we receive. Um, but I know all of us um, as members feel like it's making a big difference in all of those lives. We see a difference in all of the lives that we touch. 
That's all I can say. Yeah, uh, it's it's beautiful. So let's talk about how you how you fund this. How you uh, how do you collect the shoes, the clothes? Like, what what is the process to make this happen? Is it just purely you taking cash and then buy it in bulk? Do you take donations? How do you organize this? Well, uh, we have grantors. Number one, we have a grants chairman in our organization in our leadership team, uh, and we actively solicit grants. Um, that uh, provide for what we uh, uh, do in the community. Uh, we have fundraising activities. Uh, for example, right now we have mailed out what we call Operation School Bell mailers to our friends and family, um, asking them to, to donate to our different programs. We're having a virtual holiday event on the on December 3rd. I invite anybody who's listening to join us. It's at no cost at 12 to one o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and we will have um, an ask. We will uh, award uh, a couple of grantors who have been major grantors uh, for many years to our organization and recognize them. We'll have a fashion show from Secret Ingredient, but the, the goal of the event is to raise $100,000. And we also have usually in April or May of 2021, another spring fundraiser. In the past, it's been a big gala or a dinner. Last year, it was all virtual. And uh, we were so thankful that our supporters came out and um, donated so that we could provide the funds that are necessary to buy the, the new clothing for the children and provide for these other um, uh, programs, philanthropic programs that we have. And then of course our members are very uh, generous as well. So we're always looking for new members who uh, follow the passion that we have and that are you know, part of the commitment of a new member is to support those various programs financially as well as with ours um, and their talents that we need when we're not paying a staff but they have a background that can help lead us uh, into the future. With a couple hundred volunteers, I would imagine, and you said most of them are teachers, are they in the schools? Is there is there almost like a chapter system where if uh, somebody listening right now hears this and is there a way to contact a teacher that may represent your organization at the school so they can help in their local school? We've, we've looked at that, but a lot of us are retired people, because if you're a teacher, you're working really hard. And most of our programs run during the day. Gotcha. Um, so uh, you need to have flexibility in your schedule. We have people that are called non-voting members who have that are still working in their profession, and they uh, give their time and talent as they're able to do so. The big change this year has been from operating in an actual building to and having a store where those kids were transported by the school system with their social worker working one-on-one -on -one with a volunteer to make those selections for example with operation school bell apparel this year it's we're not having any contact with that and we don't know how next year is going to look the biggest challenge 
um, that I'd like to speak about is the fact that where we operated, where we had a store, where the kids were transported, where the students sat in a room and they wrote thank you notes and they colored and they waited for that one-on-one -on -one volunteer, it is gone. That building was sold. And within three weeks, we had to move out of that building and move $350,000 worth of inventory and equipment somewhere. That is the first time in 36 years we have ever been faced with that. IPS was such a generous contributor to us for all of these years that we never paid practically anything for where they housed us. Fortunately, uh, the Center Township trustee offered us an 8,000 square foot space in the third floor of the Marion County trustee office. And that is where we moved three fourths of what we housed in the former building and where we've set up this pick and pack method. So I am actively soliciting the community to provide a donated or very low cost flex space to our organization because we need to have a new home. You can't move every year with the inventory and what we, what we house to have a, a program. And of course, the question will be next year, will we be meeting with children one-on-one? -on -one? Will we ever go back to that method again? And I don't have that answer. But what I do know as the president is we have to have a plan A, B, C, and D. You know, extending maybe the lease agreement at Center Township. But that is a very desirable area on Mass Ave right across from the Coca-Cola. And our program, our programs begin June through May of each year. So there are other chapters that offer voucher programs where you work with a JCPenney or a, a Target and you give a gift card to a parent. And then you have members that go to that uh, establishment in the afternoon. You sort of supervise what they're buying with that gift card. That's another answer for some pro for some chapters. And then the absolute worst thing, in my opinion, would be to suspend Operation School Bell for next year. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be a shame to have thousands of kids lose that support. Um, so if somebody were out, was out there listening and heard that and had a solution, who's a good person that they could contact and how would they go about that? They would contact me. <laughs> okay. At yeah. president at alnd.org. Barbara Moore, but it's just president, capital P. Yeah. And we are working. One of the great things that we did was um, we have an advisory council that uh, pro bono gives us advice on legal matters. Um, in this case, real estate. And he is a uh, Jack Hogan is a retired commercial real estate specialist. We've sent out over 500 emails to contacts through his um business, his former business. I've been writing all of our superintendents in uh, in Indianapolis, letting them know where we are at the present uh, and asking them to consider, do they have space? Um, because gosh, in this pandemic, everybody's thinking people are going to, it's not going to be the old norm of working in a building. Do you have building space? 
that you can greatly reduce for our organization. But you know, the reality is um, all of our, the money that we raise goes for our community and families. We do not spend money on space. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so my final question for Barbara Moore, president, ALND.org, uh, the Assistance League of Indianapolis, I should say. What is the thing? Well, we're, we're, we're short on time. So I'll, I'll ask. I have two questions because I really want to ask you this one before I go to the final one. You know, there's probably no other group of people besides police officers and social workers that are in the field touching and talking to the population in a way that teachers do. So as you guys talk amongst yourselves as an organization, what are the un, what are the unfunded programs that you wish you could start that you see a need out there that you go, somebody's got to take care of this? Well, I think we're challenged to continue to provide what we have. However, I will say... Um, National Assistance League has something that's called Action Week, where uh, each chapter decides how they want to implement clothing, hunger. Um, there, there are five elements, and I can't say them right off the top of my head, but I'm really proud that our um, members supported um, an Action Week hunger drive for Greenbrier and Nora Elementary in Washington Township. And we did that because our chapter office is located in Washington Township. We also had a literacy initiative back in February where we provided new kindergarten and first grade books to the children that were not loaned to them, that they were actually theirs and they could go home and read and share it with whomever. But back in um, September, we provided 50 of the most neediest families in both Nora and Greenbrier with food and supplies to get them through um, their fall break. And uh, the social workers worked with us on those lists. So when you talk about other things you can do within the community, that's a great example that that we provided and we're considering doing it before spring break as well. And that the money that came to buy those items came from the goodness of our, our volunteers. What do you see in your work every single day that you wish everybody understood about your work? Um, I think uh, I'd like them to know that I have great joy serving this organization. Um, I think everyone in my organization understands how challenging and stressful it has been. Um, but the most important thing is we're doing it and we're doing it so well. And those children are going to get um, what they need, what we provided just in a different way. And um, I just say prayers for 2021. Barbara Moore, president of the Assistance League of Indianapolis. Their website is alindy.org. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, you can listen on our website, nowhearthisindy.com. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please email Gabby at nowhearthisindy at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for listening, and we will be back again next weekend with Now Hear This.
Are you tired of wasting your time watching people argue about politics? Are you ready to learn how to take liberty-based solutions and bring them to your average person and get those ideas into action? Hi, my name is Brian Nichols, sales executive and host of The Brian Nichols Show. As a senior communications consultant in the greater telecommunications and cybersecurity sector, I've spent years working with C-level executives to help them future-proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. At The Brian Nichols Show, I'm bringing my sales coaching and expertise to the Liberty Movement. Why? Because instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Subscribe to the program at briannicholsshow.com and find the show on your favorite podcast app. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com. And oh, be sure to grab my free copy of my new ebook, Four Easy Steps You Can Take to Sell Liberty to Friends and Family, right now while you're there. One more time, that's briannicholsshow.com.